welcome back to another episode of the pop chart a podcast discussing everything at the top of our charts in pop culture this week i'm brendan toda and i am big it's the pictures that got small oh. <laughs> i was like you're not that big dude like, it's okay we all don't put on weight as we i'm on a diet older. it's all right you're going you, gotta... you know gluten-free yeah, a little Norma Desmond for you. Sounds Set Boulevard love uh, this this evening. Yeah, you have that new diet, the calorie-free diet, right? Like, that's the way you lose weight. <laughs> oh, Jesus, <laughs> That's how you die. Oh. Oh. It's it's time to talk about Comic-Con. Yep. So today, our, our episode is focused primarily on Comic-Con, which just uh, took place in San Diego this past weekend so brent and i are going to spend a little bit of time sharing some of our favorite previous con memories we did not we did not yep. get a chance to go this year actually it's been how well, long has mm, it been since mm, we don't actually... really want to mention <laughs> i mean okay so I'll, I'll be honest with you in preparation for this episode yeah. i did go back and watch some best geek blog ever oh vlogs. man um uh, and I'll be honest with you because I thought that we had discussed this before, like this exact thing. I was like, yeah. have we, I feel like maybe it's just, we've shared these memories so often, mm-hmm. or we just look fondly at that time that yeah. it's just kind of here that I thought for sure we had a whole episode discussing it. And we do not. Um, we have like a comic-con survival guide. Yes. Or something the survival like guide, which is so funny. Right? And that was in 2013, which yep. to my, to my understanding it likely was the last time that we went mm-hmm. so um and not only 10 that years yeah, 10 <laughs> 10 years ago those is not it's not our con anymore it's not our con anymore we <laughs> passed little, it on to the those young generation. kids man looking yeah. at the, that video of us i was like and and we recorded that video and two days later we were at con we talked about it we we're like yeah. in two days we're going to con. we were all excited yeah. i was like Oh man, I kind of miss Comic Con. No, dude, legit. Like, I miss going to Comic Con, but we'll get mm-hmm. we'll get to that later in the show. For sure. Uh, to kick off uh, this week's episode, I wanted to cover a few things that have been in the news as of late, uh, namely the uh, what would we, you call it? The death of Twitter. Uh, goodbye, wow. birds. Goodbye, tweets. Um, so long, we hardly knew ye. Uh, say hello to X. And this is not a math class. This is not find X because uh, I find it at Twitter.com. Strangely enough, mm-hmm. um, it is like the strangest thing of this whole Elon era of Twitter to me. Um, mm. So for those who don't know, uh, kind of soft announced over the weekend. Uh, Elon Musk has officially changed the name of Twitter to simply X. And, you know, this isn't like exhibit or dmx who has to throw x in and everything it's not like degeneration x in wrestling for those people who like wrestling like i do this is like just just x and i it's 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 interesting that you say like yeah that you say like soft announce right because yes in every other um like major corporation the announcement would come via like a huge press release or some sort of like uh, discussion or uh, I don't know. They but would try to is, make a thing out of it. Yeah, they, they would they would be rolling out some interesting like we're going to give you some tidbits and hints at what what's about to happen in, in Elon's world like that. Those things don't exist like this is the mm-hmm. announcement and it comes via a tweet from its owner and it's like. 
that's how we're going to do things now. Like just Elon tweets things and they become, and we're all left to just kind of be like, he, I think he wants us to be like, what is he thinking? Because it just gets us talking about it. And, and this is like, I agree in, in the long list of ridiculous shit Elon has tweeted. Yeah. Having to just completely change what, like the, the thing that has what is it 14 15 years old this the, this platform the, the thing that you paid for you paid for a brand name you paid for and, the brand and you just destroyed its reputation it. and then destroyed it. the cup co- like why even call it twitter at this <laughs> point and he's like you're right i probably should let's call it x it's literally like the wrong flavor of cereal in those old commercials brand x you know you don't oh, want brand yeah. x you want our cereal right now, Elon that's says, so true. I want I want that black box over there. That black mm-hmm. that black box X. Mm, that's my cereal. Dude, why? Why why why? And why? it's interesting I saw a whole bunch of the discourse around it was the same thing kind of we're talking about. It's just like what what is happening but then you know the the sleuth on on Twitter. Uh, I'm not calling it X. I'm just telling you that right now. The yeah. sleuths on Twitter, are like, so yeah. he also tweeted out like, "Hey, graphic designers or whatever, send us your best X logos." And then yeah. that that becomes a very weird thing because t- it's, Elon seems like the kind of guy who's like, "You're the winner. That's what we're using. Thanks." Yeah. And that's it. And like, yeah. he's not gonna pay for uh, graphic. Literally, design. the richest man in the world. <laughs> cannot pay a graphic he's not designer. gonna pay for a logo and then the logo that it came out with is literally on a pre-existing font yeah like it's not a design it's just you and me were starting a podcast and i just chose helvetica new and that's <laughs> that's our brand forever it wasn't even like the third or fourth choice it's like the second choice you're like that nah, first one no oh that one though that one Job, that's it job's done Done. Pack it up. <laughs> Man, we really worked hard today. Good God damn. And the thing that's bothering me the most about it is that, like, the soft announcement, but then no hard, like, transition date, right? You go it's right already, now. You go right now to Twitter.com. It says X on it. It says X. Yeah. But the you the URL still says Twitter.com, right. right? And it's just like, did you think this through at all? <laughs> Did you, no, he does this... those things and then goes, oh, uh, he walks into like, I think at tw- at Twitter.com, he like walks into the like developers rooms and it's like, oh, by the way, I need everything to be called X.com now. You're good with that? It's like, well, do we own that domain? Now, yeah. I will say it's not, the, the letter X is not, uh, this is not out of left field. Okay. Elon no. has a history with that letter. His yeah. very first website. And the thing that would then sort of evolve into PayPal was called X.com. Correct. Um, he's got space X. X. His kid's name, I think, starts with an X. It's like X, whatever the heck, alien name. Um, so it's it's certainly on brand with Elon. It's Elon's brand is X. For sure. Uh, but it's, you know, you say it's the death of Twitter and like, I think since Elon has taken over, it's slowly, we've all been seeing like the end of it. Well, you know, I'm certainly less active on it, um, mm-hmm. but this is legitimately like the death of Twitter, like Twitter as as a platform, that name, that brand will cease to exist here whenever he decides to just say, okay, there's gone. Tweets won't be tweets anymore. They'll be X's. They'll be, they'll be X's. So you Did know. you X on X? 
like it seems like we're speaking in redacted text, right? Wild man. You remember He's when we recorded? <laughs> you remember He's when crazy. we recorded that X last night? <laughs> man, it really made me feel X. Yeah. Hey, jump on X. I'm Why? gonna have. To, yeah. Uh, I need to check X. What are you saying? Yeah, I don't, you know, I think he's spent a lifetime winning. And when he makes these decisions and people just have to sort of live in that, like whatever the ramifications are, right? He's been, he's, he's been on, on record saying like, yeah, if the things that I say lose me millions of dollars, like, so be it. And it's like, okay, but you're not the only person that this affects. Like, yeah. I know this is seems like a really small, dumb thing, but like it mm-hmm. to just make those announcements, like I would not be surprised at all if like literally the infrastructure folks, the IT folks, everyone behind this were like, okay, like I just saw I I found out this happening from my boss. It was yeah, like, yeah. oh, we're gonna have a lot of work to do, guys. Imagine, imagine you going into whatever job you have. And your boss does things like this. Like how yeah. shaken would you be That's if just crazy. like you don't know what you're even going to call your title of yeah. tomorrow? It's, it's it's insanity. It's insanity. And like the fact that they didn't go like launching on this day so that everything switches over nope. and Twitter.com has gone and blah. And this, the, the mere fact that like literally weeks ago, Zuck rolls out threads. It's almost as if he's starting a new company and a new. He is. He's starting a new brand yeah. at he's the like, same oh, well, time. You did as that. His, I'm going yeah. to. It's like no. He did as that his because main you competitor, right? Right, dude. <laughs> like the comparison I keep thinking of is just like Coke, Pepsi, and Pepsi goes. You know what? We ain't gonna be Pepsi no more. <laughs> we're calling ourselves drink. <laughs> we're, gonna, yeah. we're gonna call ourselves we're rolling drink. out drink. <laughs> So Coke goes, all right, uh, here's here's yeah. our new new Coke. And it's just like, yeah. oh, I can see where that comes from. Like it I, all makes sense. But then you go with this this nothing brand name. It's just in it's been driving me crazy. I had to talk about it. Like, um hey, listen. Oh dude, my god. Just, just don't jump off that soapbox. I'm with you. I'm listening. <laughs> so speaking of like workplaces and whatnot like the other thing in the news that i wanted to bring up on this week's show is specifically about the overwatch league which we touched on a little bit last week when going over our favorite youtubers as the overwatch league is a big part of my life the little shield that's even in the background here is part of my fandom of the la gladiators specifically and um as an esport The Overwatch League is different from other esports, at least to my familiarity, because they came in with the both the backing of the, the uh, developer and publisher, Blizzard Entertainment, but also went with a franchise model in order to kind of like ape the idea of professional league sports, where you would have owners buy in with a very high buy-in price, uh, but then they would all be part of the league, and that's how you would sustain it in the future, kind of give the players some um, sustainable, well, not sustainable, but like flat salaries and then bonuses and have, you know, kind of like some stability was the idea. Uh, The problem was that their whole business model involved large investments up front and then, you know, the promise of uh, rewards down the line. And then as the league was growing, the pandemic happened. And, you know, all live events get shut down. You have to change even how these teams play. It was really difficult. And then you add on top of the fact that 
other things are going on with the publisher and developer Blizzard Entertainment, uh, there there is a California lawsuit filed against them um, for uh, a toxic workplace, right? Oh, no. And so when these things add together uh, in the aggregate, like it's not a good look for the league and in terms of sponsors and these investors. So the sponsors pull out and now the investors have no real incentive to be here. Fast forward to where we are now in the sixth season of the Overwatch League. Uh, this came out on July 19th, so just a little bit more than a week ago, uh, where on The Verge it was announced that Activision Blizzard is laying off their esports staff as it faces potential dramatic changes for the Overwatch League, which as I was just wow. mentioning, uh, they have not had the best time as of late, what with the pandemic and um, the lawsuit against the publisher and whatnot. I also didn't mention that one of the te- 20 teams also dropped out at the beginning of the season. So just straight up. Like that cease be- to exist? They just not- cease to exist. They don't even compete. So imagine if you were watching Holy baseball smokes. and they were just like, hey, you know what? Like uh, the Cubs? Yeah, they're gone. They're just not competing this year. That would be... I don't even know what the fallout of something like that would be. It would be tremendous. You probably would have some doubts about the future of your league when one yeah. of the tw- the 20 teams drops out. Well, Jeez. the other news that was in the air was like, okay, the teams, team owners specifically, I should say, uh, were very upset with this situation from Blizzard. And like, the, basically it looks like they sold them snake oil. Um, so a couple of the teams got together. And they sued Blizzard uh, for their franchise fees. Apparently, this we're talking like in the millions of dollars here. Like the initial upfront cost was like maybe a twenty million buy-in or something like this, sure. something exorbitant. Not to mention the six seasons where they have to pay their staff, their players, and their you know uh, just the run the operation fees basically. Um, so this uh, big turn of events in both the lawsuit and um, this announcement for one they won the lawsuit where blizzard is forgiving some of their franchise outstanding franchise fees yeah this is different though this says at the end of the league this year which we're we're a little over halfway through the season the remaining team owners aside from the one that dropped out are going to take a vote on how or if to continue if they don't have a majority vote then every team is going to get paid out $6 million to exit. And it's basically going to be the end of the Overwatch League as we know it. Now, does Holy that mean, shit. yeah, does that mean that the um, esport or like the competitive scene for Overwatch will die? Not necessarily. But Not unless this... Blizzard kills the game, which they'll never do. Yeah, but they've also done plenty of things that have not been in the best interest of Overwatch um, in general, which is a whole nother thing that will take up a whole podcast if we wanted to. But <laughs> but um, based off of the fact that some of the teams already sued, the there are no sponsors right now. They've gone through years of difficulty. One of the teams have already dropped out. Uh, it's looking pretty likely that these guys are not going to vote to continue. Right. So what I imagine is likely to happen is they will get their payout. All of the teams will cease to exist. The league may still go, but even though the um, basically commissioner of Overwatch League was saying, like, you know, we're going to continue the competitive scene, even if this does happen. So the commissioner um, of Overwatch League is not like a Blizzard. He is. He's He works oh, with okay. Blizzard. 
Um, but the fact that he's basically got no staff now, they're running yeah. on a skeleton crew to finish the season as it is. Wow. It looks like even though he's thinking next season, next season, 2024, they if this happens, they, you know, restructure and they kind of like go back to the old tournament structure and let the esport kind of grow from local people like playing and build up to it instead of like having this franchise league. I sincerely doubt it'll happen that quickly. Mm-hmm. I think that the fallout would be a long delay between the end of this season and the beginning of whatever the next season happens to be. But needless to say, that was pretty huge news in the land of um, Overwatch uh, League and Overwatch Esports. Damn. Um, it's it's a shame as being a big yeah. fan, obviously. Um but I'm still very interested and curious to see what happens next. In I feel like in the world of sports, though, like we have, there's always like some billionaire out there mm-hmm. going, how can, how can I get involved? How can I make more money? Right. Like we mm-hmm. have things like fan controlled football has been a thing over the last couple of years. Um, there's like two different football leagues that exist right now. Um, I, I forget what, it's not the NFL. It's like the U S NFL. Um, so mm-hmm. it's like, there's all these people, these, all these athletes who may not be able to perform at that highest level. Um, so there's someone with money who goes, let's create a new league to challenge the status quo. Right. Right. So right. I feel like there's, even though that, that seems crazy and, and blizzard is the kind of like that, that it all started there. Um, there's got to be somebody out there like folks like the Mark Cubans of the world or something who are like, listen, we can do it without the whatever express permission of Blizzard or however they're screwing things up. I mean, you're still going to have to get permission in some way for Blizzard because it is their game. But somebody's going to be like, hey, you know, like whereas like no one owns football, no one owns the sport of baseball. But there are these organizations that come together and say, hey, there's enough of us that we can we can just continue this this thing. But that's a that's a pretty big deal. Yeah, I mean, for wow. sure, it's it's um, yeah, you know, like I said, it's a big announcement uh in terms of like where where it's going to be headed uh next season. Um, but yeah, it's a wow. uh, it's a bit of a bummer. And you're right, like it, the esport will continue if there's yeah. money to be made, then people will Heck be there. Yeah. Oh yeah, but esports in general has been struggling. Um, you know, I think it was one of those bubbles that burst like where um early investors were like speculative and like they jumped in maybe a little bit too soon and overreached basically and uh, yeah it'll settle it'll it'll get somewhere because like yeah kids these days i don't know if you see like they're they're living the life of video games from you know the cradle basically and so it's not unusual to them oh it's not i mean listen you and i grew up with video game controllers in our hands at a very young mm-hmm. age, which is why we still have that connection to that. So that, you know, it's even more so because there's so many different options for you now, right? Your phone exactly. is a video game. Everything's a video game. Um, I I will say that your favorite sports team and my favorite sports team have a connection. Do you know what it is? They're both owned by the Crunky. Yeah. <laughs> Look yeah. at it. I did not they even do. think we were talking about Overwatch yeah, today. Yeah, the Arsenal And I've got my hat. Arsenal hat. <laughs> yeah. You've got your gladiators. It's owned by the same yeah. group. It's um, true. The people with the money. And they also yeah, own the, I, the, uh, the Rams, I believe. Rams, the Nuggets, I think. But yeah, yeah they've got their hands in. So th- those folks will 
figure out a way, but I do feel, I feel bad because uh, I feel like I'm correct me if I'm wrong. You know more about this than I do, but it feels like the esports thing was just starting to kind of right. get, get real popular and hot. And then boom, mm-hmm. the, the pandemic kind of seemed to kind of take the, well, I mean, it took this wind out of everyone's sales, but yeah, I, yeah. I remember you talking about it. I was like, Oh man. Like, so I started watching, you know, I would watch it just to be like, have something to talk to you about and be like, Hey, I watched a little <laughs> bit of this or we were together yeah. and you were like, it's the playoffs or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then like, yeah. that just, that just ended uh, speaking of that real quick side, sort of sidebar. Did you ever get a chance to see the players on Paramount plus about the esports league of legends? Team? I did not. No, actually. So but the funny you mentioned we're talking that because, esports. You gotta do yeah. it. Well, the funny you mentioned that is because um, uh, Paramount Plus uh, is gonna have uh, the new Transformers movie, which I wasn't able to see in theaters, and I was like, I might need to sign up for Paramount Plus for just like a week or something. Just you know, it's funny. I just it it, it's the one that I haven't logged into the most, so I just canceled it. I still have it. Would you well, know when damn. it's gonna be? Would you know when it's gonna be on? I don't, but oh, okay. I do. I do want to check it. out. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure I'll exactly. jump back on it too when like the next whatever comes out, Mission Impossible or something. Right, right, because it's got that stuff too. Yeah. So anyway, that's uh, the news for the week. That's the news for the week. Let us get into our main segment. Let's talk Comic Con memories. Are some of our favorite memories? Like we like for we mentioned at sure. the top of the show. It's been a minute. San Diego Comic Con, the biggest, the brightest, the 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 culturally defining convention yeah. taking place in San Diego the annually. Biggest, the, as you said in our video that I watch, I rewatch. It's the largest convention of this kind in the world. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I will tell you, you should go watch that. It is mm-hmm. very well prepped and planned, like script and everything. <laughs> I was like, we. Crushed that had a episode. lot of time on our hands sure at the time. Sure it wasn't like I don't know we were single and like lived down the street from each other, but like <laughs> certainly we, we made certainly, easy work yeah. of that stuff. Boy, oh um, boy, yeah. So yeah, it's it's been a minute. I know this year's Comic Con probably felt a lot different. At least that's uh, I'm I'm hearing that it felt a lot different to like the movie people with the ongoing right. uh, Writers Guild and SAG after strike. None mm-hmm. of the talent, none of the on-screen talent could go and, and be a part of any of those panels. So, um, yeah, or make appearances. They can't make like public. You can't go just do like, autographs or exactly. any so, of those things, which it, is a huge ooh. draw for so many people to go. I mean, for sure. at the early, t- at the early several years of going to Comic-Con, it was like, i sat my fat ass down in hall h for four <laughs> days because i just wanted to hear what the actors had to say and yeah. maybe get a glimpse of something and, and that kind of stuff was like you know the actors couldn't be the directors directors could be there because directors contracts with the with that uh guild are, are totally different and right. and they've settled already this year so right there were directors there uh folks like kevin smith were there mm-hmm. um i mean he's kind of a staple for comic-con anyways but right. um we couldn't be there, so we can't really talk too much about what went on this year. But what we can talk about is what went on the years we were there and some of our right. favorite memories. So I'll I'll start with just like some general Hall H. Like if we were if we were like ranking our favorites, this would be like my honorable mentions, things that I was sure, sure. so, so happy to be there for. Right. Um for many years, I covered. I was covering uh, the movie news that was coming out of Hall H, so I would be mm-hmm. there with my laptop on, and I'd be just like d- d- typing away. Um, 
And so we were there for things that we wanted to be there for and things we didn't care about, but we were covering it. So it was just like content, content, content. Yep. Um, a couple of things I remember vividly. Mm-hmm. Paul H., Ridley Scott doing a live interview from a waterfall in Iceland pro- promoting Prometheus. Mm-hmm. Literally still filming. Couldn't mm-hmm. be there, but was like, mm-hmm. here's some footage. Also, I'm on the top of a waterfall in Iceland. And I was like, first of all, how the hell did they manage to do that? It looks so good. There was like no <laughs> lag from what I remember. And I was like, right. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm gonna go see this movie. Look at the look at the effort they put into just being here in Hall H. Mm-hmm. Um, the the most odd panel in Hall H I've ever attended was the panel for Francis Ford Coppola's horror drama Twixt. You've mm-hmm. never mm-hmm. seen that movie, um, but the one of the greatest iconic film directors of all time is at Comic Con, which is like such a weird thing, anyways. Um, because he just doesn't make movies like that. You know, this is The Godfather and and Apocalypse mm-hmm. Now. Mm-hmm. And he's up there literally making music, mm-hmm. like doing a looping track mm-hmm. to this movie to like set the weird, creepy tone. We all had like masks of Edgar Allan Poe. I still have no idea what that movie's about. <laughs> but like I was in I was in awe of this man who, mm-hmm. you know, I hold in such regard, having like a tremendous amount of weird fun with the mm-hmm. 7,000 people in Hall H. Um, another highlight would definitely be Andrew Garfield's reveal yeah. as Spider-Man. Um, so, the you know, uh, for those of you who don't know, like the, the big Hall H panels typically start with bringing uh, bringing the cast on, on stage, talking about the movie. Uh, there's usually a moderator there who's asking their own questions and then the second half of that panel, like the last hour, the last half hour of the panel is for the folks like us in the, in the crowd gets to ask those folks questions. Mm-hmm. Um, but this little kid runs up to the microphone, like before anyone could start. And he's like, I really want to ask a question before we start and, you know, set up and stuff. But the moderator's like, okay, kid, you can ask your one question that we have to get started. And he's in full Spider-Man gear, mm-hmm. tiny, like legitimately, I remember like scrawny little kid. What, what are you doing up here? And mm-hmm. then Andrew Garfield takes off the mask. Uh, you know, we're at the Spider-Man panel. So whatever you can say about like the movies themselves, I I, I still hold a very like like special place in my heart for Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man, and it started mm-hmm. like right there in Hall H, where he's like just gushing about like what an honor it is for him to play that character, how he doesn't take it lightly, how he knows right. how important that character is to him and to the fans and stuff like that. And I was like, that's my Spidey right there. Yeah. Right. So like those are those are a few just like quick Hall H highlights for me. For sure. I mean, like uh, the thing that comes to mind when you were talking about sitting your ass down in Hall H is the simple fact that Comic-Con was always a choice. Right. And I don't mean the mm. choice of going down there. I mean, like you walk in there without a plan and you are going to be a fish out of water <laughs> because true. I believe. And again, I believe it's in our survival guide. If you don't have a plan mapped out of like what you're going to do, then you're not going to have a good time. You're going to miss so um, many things. Yeah. And choosing like you did to sit in Hall H the entire time was always consciously saying, I'm valuing this more than anything else that potentially could happen at the con. Yeah. And the hardest part about Comic-Con is since there is so much stuff that's always fun and you usually go with a group of friends that you hear what other people are doing you're like 
I want to do that. I just have to I walk over a, there. I missed what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, like, oh my God, I just walked by and then some celebrity was walking the other direction. Stan Lee is coming this way. Mm-hmm. And like Brian Michael Bendis is just signing autographs over there. Yeah. And like Lionel Yu is just right over there at that booth and nobody's there. How do you not know who yeah. Lionel Yu is yeah. over there, people? <laughs> like, you know, stuff like that. But then you couldn't do that if you were sitting in a panel. So first and foremost, uh, I want to say that like, Going to learning, I should say, to go to panels before the panel you want to go to immediately oh, yep. springs yep. to mind. Like <laughs> two to three like, for some of the smaller ballrooms. And just to like stake out your claim mm-hmm. that I am I value this thing so much that I'm unwilling to sit through something that I don't care about. Yeah. And subsequently, sometimes being surprised by that thing that you're sitting through that you had no interest in whatsoever. So yeah. Uh, there are maybe too many examples to list, but I honestly remember going to a Glee panel and going, maybe I should check out this show. <laughs> is this a maybe, good show? Maybe, maybe this is more fun <laughs> than I think it is because that actually was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um. The The story, of course, that I have to tell and retell about Comic-Con is our Scott Pilgrim experience. And I believe we covered that in the YouTube video, but just for those No, who I don't w- think we did. Okay, so but maybe for those who didn't weren't with us 10 years ago. Uh this is Comic-Con, well, Scott Pilgrim versus the World, Edgar Wright film 2010, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh so this is Comic-Con just prior to the release of the film that year. It came out late in August, Comic-Con's in July, so film had not screened anywhere. Hadn't even had its world premiere yet. Mm-hmm. Um there was a panel, Hall H, the biggest ballroom, as Easy said, and I had to be there. I knew that this was something that I wanted to see. There were so many uh, talented people involved. And, of course, the filmmaker, Edgar Wright, uh, director Shaun of the Dead, um, like he, his sensibilities in this film and then trying to translate it as literally as possible. So the memory goes that we went and we staked out a claim. I want to say, yeah, like one or two panels mm-hmm. prior to, and I believe you wanted to leave. I think you were like, you did me a solid by attending a panel the previous day that uh-huh. you had no interest in it. Yes. Zero. And I was like, I need. And so guess what? Brendan showed up several panels before that one he sat through we sat through all those ones that we didn't care about then it got to the one that i wanted to be and and this is how much none of that matters because the scott pilgrim memory for me is my favorite thing of all time comic-con is i don't even remember what we were waiting for so the next day brendan was like hey listen there's a panel that i am dying Mm -hmm. to be at yep and it's scott pilgrim versus the world and i went i haven't the slightest idea what that is but this is what we do for each other yep I'll sit there with you so you're not by yourself. Right. And so and then, the be- my, and then my entire world changed. <laughs> so the beginning of the panel, the as a lot of them do, they have tchotchkes, they have swag that they give out, and um some assistants for the panel come around with bags of buttons. And I still buttons. have the buttons. And I the buttons too. all had different characters from you have it right next to you, even I might. <laughs> The the buttons had character. You do. Oh my I god. Oh my do. God. I absolutely do. Look at that. So some of the buttons have different <laughs> Scott Pilgrim characters on it, you know, from, from Ramona Flowers. Back. Exactly. From Ramona Flowers to Scott himself to um Knives Chow. And they're all in like that 8-bit style that Easy was just showing on on camera. And uh some of them were those white one-up buttons. So everybody is supposed to take one, pass it down. Panel goes on. Uh, they explain 
like all the details of the film. They have the cast up there. And during that that time, I remember you telling me you just fell in love with the idea of this film. God, the the cast is dynamite. Oh, yeah. And they're all just on. Right. They Mm -hmm. all look like they they know each other so well, like they must have Mm -hmm. had an absolute blast filming it. We're seeing Mm -hmm. footage. The presentation, I remember, wasn't just like we're just going to show you some behind the scenes or some footage. It was a put together thing, Mm -hmm. like when they were announcing the cast, instead of just the camera being on the cast and, and projecting on the screens, there was a whole like reel of that like character in animation form. And then that person came out. So I remember like the, the production value of the announcements of the mm-hmm. cast were big. And I was like, Oh, this I haven't seen before. They're doing, mm-hmm. they're doing some extra stuff here. And mm-hmm. then in the course of that hour, I went from not having a single clue who Scott Pilgrim was. I didn't know it was a, a, a comic book mm-hmm. to them being like, this is the most anticipated movie for me for the whole year. Like I cannot wait to see this. Right. And so the panel's wrapping up and you can feel the energy in the room as it's kind of like starting to wane and you're Mm -hmm. like getting through the questions and like, all right, it's, we understand it's over. That was a great time. The director, Edgar Wright, by the way, was moderating the panel himself. So good. So good. (laughs) Tells us that the world premiere is scheduled to happen down the street in 35 minutes or something like this. Mm-hmm. And then he says, if you have a white one-up button, you are invited to come to this premiere. And everyone starts looking around <laughs> for the buttons that they have. And like you could feel the energy just surge mm-hmm. and rise again. And yep. oh my God, I remember looking at my button going, do I have it? And no, we, I didn't. We did not. What did you? <laughs> Neither. You didn't have one either. Oh, we're dead and, inside. <laughs> and here we are now. Like the, it feels as though the opportunity has slipped through our fingers. Yeah. The panel ends. The people with the white buttons rush out of the room, and we're left just kind of like in this daze, going, "Yeah, well, we had the if- highest high <laughs> of the whole con." Yep. Followed by quickly the lowest low. And we're just like, like, boy, what a good day. But man, I wish that would have gone amazing. And almost as if it's like the, the, the secret, speak it and it'll come true. We say, I wish we could have gone. I think I hear someone in the distance saying like, can we go? I don't know. We have to No. What, what time have, do you have to? Yeah. Okay. Well, no family's no. coming in. We can't. Well, there's no way. And we're like. So we just start hovering over this yeah, family. We did. It was a couple. And, and we like are totally. <laughs> we weren't like, going anywhere. <laughs> moving eavesdropping over on their conversation. Eavesdropping and then just like trying to be within eyeshot as soon as they decided that they weren't going to go. And the moment they said, you know what? Can't do it. We go. Hi. 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 If you're not, <laughs> I'll give you my red button. So you have mm-hmm. a memory of this panel. Yes. If you are legitimately not going we are gone. And I, I remember they, from what my memory serves me, it was mm-hmm. like, they, they were going to give these things to us. Like we didn't have to convince them or anything. Correct. But they, you they went from like, us. this is the first time he's ever heard of this. And now he's dying to go to this thing. And they were like, we can't go. Like, there's just no way we can go. And we're like, well, yeah. if you're not going to use them, here you go. So now, oh, the way I remember it. Oh, yes. Is that, the whole crowd had left the auditorium, save for maybe 
30, 40 people into Hall H, which is not much for that space. We exit the the, the theater. Real quick, just a reminder. Hall H (laughs) holds 7,000 people. Yeah, 7,000 people. And this con... panel is the last panel of the hall of of the day which also coincides with the closing of the con for the whole day mm-hmm. so a hundred and thirty thousand people, people are now exiting the convention onto the streets of simultaneously San Diego. simultaneously the golden ticket in our hand literally like a charlie and the chocolate factory moment and we have to go five blocks up the road to the balboa theater Yep. And I'll tell you, it was like a movie. <laughs> like I'm I'm ready to start jumping on people's shoulders mm-hmm. if I was a comic book character. Yep. Yep. I, I how how can we get around? Do we need to go up that building and zip line down? <laughs> how are we getting through? Because it's a sea of people oh that are God. in the exact same boat we are. They're not yeah. moving. Nope. Not because they don't want to. But it's just physically not possible. And I remember, unfortunately, like taking some of the stuff we were carrying and just throwing it on our (laughs) friends, being like, I'm sorry, we'll explain later. Just take it and go. Guys, I know we're supposed to go get dinner. We will not be there. Can you take this back to the hotel with you? (laughs) We'll explain. I think their looks are just like, what the hell, dude? Like, yeah, don't worry about it. You would do the same thing. See ya. <laughs> yeah, basically, we both kind of like acknowledge we're gonna we're gonna take a hit in our friendship with these people. <laughs> yes, it's That's going an down ex- a little bit tonight. That is that is an acceptable loss for this situation. <laughs> and I remember again that I could be wrong, but the way I remember it is we went the wrong way. Yep. So not only do we have this mass of humanity, we have limited time, we have damaged friendships, we are now going the wrong fucking way so much at stake (laughs) we make it with literally seconds to spare and who is greeting people at the door but edgar wright himself checking the buttons why couldn't we be here earlier like i did not know who he was like i remember we were hustling once we got free and clear the crowds Mm -hmm. we just followed the lights and we are running our asses off like I'm sweating. <laughs> I'm like, like literally cartoon, like <laughs> character into the doors. And they're like, wait, wait, wait. Yeah, you need yeah. to see your button. And I'm mm-hmm. literally just like, literally ready to chuck it at this yep. dude yep. who's the doorman. Oh, it happens to be uh incredible film director, Edgar Wright. Yeah. Okay. And so, yeah. We hi, get Edgar through. Wright. Thank you for inviting us to your movie. Yeah. <laughs> Let me give you a handshake and thank you so much and like get right through. Yeah. They take like what remains of our stuff because they don't want like anybody oh, yeah. filming locked, it or recording everything and like had to up. just yep. give it away. Like again, I can't stress how how much we're not making this up. We sit in our seat and the moment butt hits seat, lights go out and the cast comes out and we're like, how did this happen? How did we time everything so perfectly? Mm-hmm. And the fact that that literally happened in my lifetime and it's a shared memory with you is just like something that Mm -hmm. i will never not soon forget yeah right so and and then they're like oh by the way like you're gonna you're about to you're about to be the first ever audience to see this movie in its entirety okay cool cast is here okay we just spent the last hour with them they're right here in this now much smaller theater much much smaller smaller. yeah uh couple hundred here And don't go anywhere after the show because 
some of the people who the, the band metric mm-hmm. one of the bands who provided the music for the movie is playing a live set after yeah oh what i mean okay yeah, don't yeah. twist my arm <laughs> seriously <laughs> and then of course like that's the memory right that's yeah. that's what we remember we less we forget then that movie exists mm-hmm. and it is an absolute all-timer right, right? i want we uh you know, you are familiar with that with that character and that story. I went yeah. in at zero mm-hmm. and walked out the second biggest Scott Pilgrim versus the World <laughs> fan on the planet at that time. Yeah, I was like, yeah was, that was perfect. It was a what perfect an... Comic Con experience. Yeah, and of course, it has to happen on Saturday night after you're tired from the rest of the days of the week. <laughs> after it was doing... day three for us at yep. that point, and after Jeez. sitting in Hall H the whole day, and then you sit through the whole movie, and then try to do the the band show afterwards. We're talking like getting into the wee hours of the night, like eleven, eleven thirty, and it is just. I remember being exhausted, exhausted, boy, and then oh boy. and then we're exhausted, and we have to go back to the hotel room with angry, angry friends and explain <laughs> them that we just had the greatest day of our lives. <laughs> exactly. Sucks to be you, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, yeah for that's, sure, that's, that's the one, man. That that's, is Comic Con in a nutshell. Yeah, I mean, there's other other good memories. I mean, I, uh, again, I don't want to be completely Hall H moments, but I remember being there in the room. Uh, this is prior to the MCU really taking off. Like, it is 2000, uh, t- uh, uh, not 10, that was the Scott Pilgrim year. This is 2011. This is, no, this is 2011 because uh, Avengers came out 2012, the first Avengers. And at the time they were filming Cap and Thor because Thor was scheduled to come out. Cap had just started filming and they were giving us footage of it. But they ended the panel by bringing out the team for the first time together publicly anywhere mm-hmm. and it was pro it was while they were still trying to sort out the uh contract negotiations with edward norton uh so mark ruffalo being announced was uh like left out of left field kind of sure thing. yeah but being in the room for that of course happens to be a great memory and aside from that again like uh, i think the thing that maybe gets missed uh in all of the comic-con coverage over the years about the big announcements is those smaller moments like you said like you get to go up and ask questions to the creators of your favorite media Mm -hmm. and pick their brain even just a little bit uh they make themselves so accessible there not just for autographs that's everything like that they the creators even you know the a-listers down to the folks like I remember just uh, one of the things, and I don't know how much of this happens now. I guess you have to be kind of like at a certain level of celebrity or something, but right. um, like you run into like people like Grant Imhar, the late Grant Imhar from yep. Mythbusters, who is walking around the show floor. This mm-hmm. is at the height of Mythbusters. Yep. And he is just one of us. Mm-hmm. And he's walking around and he's in cosplay and you're like, um, okay, Grant Imahara is just walking around the show floor by himself. Like, do, are are can are you taking pictures and something's like, yeah, of of course I'm taking pictures. Like, I wouldn't be here if I wasn't okay to do that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but it is the accessibility factor, right? You get to meet these people. Like, I remember getting to meet Tim Sale, who's like mm-hmm. arguably responsible for some of uh the best Batman art that I ever read growing up and he's there mm-hmm. and he's like can you sign my long Halloween copy yeah and I'm gonna sketch something for you hey yeah. Kevin Eastman who's responsible for the best thing in my whole life <laughs> Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles um 
like I, I get to tell you know you get you get to talk to these people a little bit more than you would like at like a quick like meet and greet or something and you're just like mm-hmm. hi thank you for you what your work is important to me and yeah. that's not necessarily something you get a chance to do when you're in hall h with seven thousand other people who all want to do the same thing yeah. but like when you get to that show floor things change right it feels like yeah. you're a little bit more connected there for to sure. your people and mm-hmm. you get to meet the people who have created some of your favorite things. And they're all like in that mindset of like, hey, I'm here for you. You're mm-hmm. the reason I get to continue to do that. So like, what can mm-hmm. I do for you? And it's like, yeah, holy shit. How cool is that? You know, I mean, that's um, not second to, but like second to that is also meeting the other fans because no matter the property that you're into uh no matter how obscure you think it is and you might be the only one in your friend group who is a fan of it you go wait in line for that panel and you're gonna meet hundreds of other people who feel the same way that you do because they also made the trip to san diego and they also spotted this particular property for like a little internet web show that you're a big fan of. And they're also yeah, going to yeah, stand yeah. in line for two or three hours yep. just to get in. And like, you can strike up a conversation with them about your favorite stuff. And like, they totally get it. Um, most of I've them are pretty people, cool. And I'm not all of them. Like bathe. I've, right. <laughs> I've got people that I follow or, or I am friends with friends, digital friends with right. on Twitter that I've met at Comic-Con. Yeah. And I'm like, met that's the lines. only that's mm-hmm. we met at lines, we met at panels, and it's just like, oh yeah, I have a Twitter, yeah, this and I'm doing this, I'm doing something similar. I have a blog, I have a vlog, I have a thing, and it's like, oh, we're gonna be friends now. Like, um, a friend of mine from from work, Manny, who we were trying to get on this show because he did go to Comic Con um uh this past weekend mm-hmm. when we were kind of uh we were sort of in the same um department ish and uh we were talking about things we're into and oh okay we're dodger fans oh, that's very nice very cool we can we can talk about that and then he's like oh and then i'm getting ready to go to comic-con i was like oh well we're friends now like i just it, it's a it's a little bit different than even like sports yeah. fandom it's like yeah it's a much smaller group of people sure. who have a have a this very niche uh fandom no matter what it is it's still kind of a small minority of people at least at the time now it's a little bit different but you know he i was like okay what what is it that you do at comic-con like are you a cosplayer are you a this or that was like oh no i love stuff i love collecting things and going to panels and comic books and stuff and i'm like okay i was like manny you and i are friends now like because we we like get it right you understand that kind of like for sure i mean like love for things like people who don't get it, like would ask me, like, "Are you going to go and cosplay?" I'm like, "Well, like that." For some people, that's what they want to do, but for, for sure. me, that's not why I'm going. Yeah. And I can tell you exactly why is because I remember seeing maybe one of my first years at con, somebody dressed up like um, the dad from American Dad, and he was he had a real spot on oh, uh, suit. So he was carrying a fishbowl. He had an American flag. And he straight up was like in an atmosphere character at Disney, sure. walking the halls, had no bag, had no agenda, had nothing he wanted to see. Stayed he up. wanted to, to like show people his costume and take pictures. And that was it. Like, I remember thinking like, that is both cool, but dude paid money for a badge 
to do this. Like yeah. you didn't, you didn't need to do this, man. You could stand outside. He's <laughs> creating ambiance for the rest of us. You, <laughs> you know? could have stood outside and done this as people True. are coming in and leaving. Yeah. Still gotten the same thing not and that. not taking not, about. not taking a registration away. Didn't have to spend your money to do this, but uh anyway. <laughs> like the last memory that I definitely want to, you know, capture for posterity though is when I knew my time was over. Uh, we were going every year, year over year for like five, six years. Mm -hmm. And I wanted it to continue, but I knew not only had my life started shifting, but so did Comic-Con. The first two, three years that I was there, they would sell next year's badges on site. And some people did it. Others didn't. Uh, and there never seemed like there was a scarcity. It was just like, hey, thanks for coming. If you want to just you know claim your spot for next year, here's where yeah. it is. And there was never a line. Mm -hmm. The line started to grow year over year. And eventually it went away in favor of this lottery, right? Mm -hmm. So in order to get a registration now, and I don't know, I haven't tried in many years, but the way that they did it at the time where I stopped was you had to get in a digital waiting room and you had to be there at the time and you couldn't have multiple browser windows open. Mm -mm. You couldn't have multiple sessions. It was just for you. And in the waiting room, if you got called, then you had a chance to buy. But if you didn't get called, you just had to wait there until it was your turn. And you had to watch as the announcements kept popping up of like Saturday is now sold out. Yep. Four day passes are sold out. And sitting there and not getting a single damn badge mm -hmm. was the end of my time yeah. going to Comic-Con. You're like, listen, this process is more frustrating than it's worth, which sucks. It's I don't not know just frustrating. I don't know if it's totally different now because yeah. uh, Manny said he, while he was sitting there, he could only get Thursday and Sunday. Yeah. And you're like, okay, I'm driving home. Then I'm coming back. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Like, like, what is that about? You know, like, I understand yeah. that they have limited space. I understand they're very popular. But, boy, that's just, it's a tough way to do things. And it does feel like, through no fault of my own, I can't go anymore. Mm -hmm. Like, I just, I just can't. And so now it's just like, we're going to have to live through social media. We're going to have to just live vicariously through other people. A little people. FOMO, a little bit of FOMO. But uh, you know what? I've had the experience. I'm glad we've had the yeah. experience. And I hope whoever is going now no, has something similar to what we had. Oh, for sure. Yeah, that's that would be my hope for if I never get to go again. And I hope I do, because yeah. I think, you know, like you're we were talking about so much of like the halls and the panels and stuff like that. I mm -hmm. think now I would just love to spend a day or two just on the show floor. I think though, even yeah. those last, like maybe one or two years that we did it yeah, was mostly show floors. Cause we couldn't yes. even get into the panels. They become such a big deal that it yeah. was impossible to even get in unless you felt like wait, you know, getting up at 2 AM and waiting on the grass outside, which was yeah. like, yeah, I'm, so even then I was like, I'm too old to do that guys. Um, <laughs> So we just spent days. Walking and now the I'm show. really old. <laughs> now I'm double that. Um, so, yeah, I would like to go back and just experience the the yeah. the fun madness of of the show floor. Maybe grab mm -hmm. a couple of things that I didn't know existed and take take some souvenirs home. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Well, we, we good luck, Comic-Con. We we've missed you and I uh, hope do, you and survive. We... <laughs> yeah, seriously. Because boy, 
it was looking rough for a little while. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's us, you know, waxing poetic on on our time with Comic Con. Uh, yeah. Thanks for 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 joining us here on the Pop Chart. We'll see you next week, everybody. Bye.